I'm going to read to you out of First uh, Thessalonians this, this today. Uh, if you're following online or want to follow my sermon notes, you can go to the church app, and, and they're on the church app today. And anyway, there's some fill-in-the-blanks on the church app, so I'm not going to give you everything. You've got to work for it a little bit today. But I thought it was pretty cool. Amy texted me, I think it was last Sunday, that, that we had over 250 people uh, open the app on a push that we made that day, which I thought was pretty awesome. So we're ministering lots of people that way. But anyway, again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. We ask you, brothers, sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything holding fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And today the Lord put the title of the sermon, I believe, and it would be surviving the race to start out surviving or survivor. And and then uh, surviving the race. But the first thing that I want to talk about is, is I believe the Lord's really telling us not to quench the spirit. So apparently today we've seen God's spirit move across this body. and, And so God's saying we need to fight to maintain that. We need to fight to hang on to God's spirit in the body. God's spirit into our life. But I'd even go a step further That even as much as God moves today and has moved today, we can still quench the spirit. You see, quenching the spirit is simply not doing what that Holy Spirit nudges it to do. I looked it up in Strong's Concordance and it says, we quench the spirit by hindering the Holy Spirit's operation in our testimony. Now think about that. That really shook me. Our testimony is what we perceive to the world. Uh, I'm testifying whether I'm speaking a word or not by my actions. I'm testifying by my mouth of what comes out of my mouth. I testify by what I put on Facebook or text out. But we are a testimony and we hinder the spirit when we're not operating in the Holy Spirit through our testimony. And boy, that really took me back this week that, that, wow, that is so powerful and so real. The peace, this is what the concordance went on to say, order and edification of the saints were evidence of the ministry of the Holy Spirit among them. And today we read the word, we, we come to church, we celebrate 
Jesus Christ because the anointing that went through the testimony of the early believers that just powered it through the world. Man, the Bible's one of the most sold books ever. Why? Because of people's testimony and the anointing of God behind it. And we need to recognize today that, that we are walking testimony. We are walking witnesses and we're led by the Holy Spirit. And when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, we quench it. Now over here, people don't realize, but when I was a kid, uh, candle lighters would bring the, the fire into the church. Well, it's not a fire, guys. It represents the Holy Spirit. So we would bring the Spirit into the church, the Holy Spirit into the church. We would light the candles, and then the candles the Holy Spirit would burn during church. And then at the end of the church, the candle lighters would come up, and they would take the light, the Holy Spirit, out as a sign He's going out with us. That's what this represents on our altars. But when we are not obedient to the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, it puts out the fire. I just did a cardinal sin there, didn't I? That would have offended a lot of people in the early church because you killed the Holy Ghost. Guys, I did that today to, to make sure that we realized that when we do not honor the Holy Spirit, through our witness, when he speaks to us, we quench the spirit. So part of the spirit could be on fire and, and being led by the Holy Spirit. Part of you may be, but others of us may be here. But we need to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us, and he does all the time, and I can get into that for two hours, but, but God's spirit is amongst us. God's spirit hovered the earth before it was created. God's Spirit is in this house. God's Spirit is wherever you go. God's Spirit is all over this world. And you either recognize it or you don't recognize it. You either listen to it and allow it to be a testimony to your life or you don't. It's that simple. So as we think about these things, uh, uh, I hear all the time that if we want a revival among you, then be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I want this to go on in my life, then be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So we hear and we see that revival is based on our response to the Holy Spirit. I can respond to the Holy Spirit every day, every week of the way, and be 100% on target. But if 99% of you aren't, then we probably aren't going to see that revival. Maybe in my own personal life but maybe not as a church. And so we need to recognize that when the husband and wife, the wife is on board and, and is listening to the Holy Spirit and is sensitive to the Spirit and the husband's not, there's a little bit of division in the house, isn't there? But when they both are on fire for the Lord, there's a move of God in their life like you wouldn't believe. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and not quench the Holy Spirit. If you're following along in the, online there, there's, I put in there five ways, and I'll have them behind us on the board, but five ways we can say no to the Holy Spirit. And there's more than this, but I was just trying to think that, to kind of make us realize it. The first thing was ignorance. 
Ignorance of God's ways will quench the Spirit. Uh, I hear churches argue over the position of the Holy Spirit. So ignorance of the Holy Spirit, not understanding it, can quench the Spirit in your life. Well, how do we learn more about the Spirit? Ask God, study your word, and pray. And the Lord will reveal to you. The second thing is I put failure to recognize the Holy Spirit quenches the Spirit in our life. Recognize is when the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I want you to go minister to this person. You have the choice at that time to say yes or no. Or the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, don't say that. And you go ahead and say it anyway. Uh, We need to recognize the Holy Spirit and listen to him in our life. Refusal, Refusal to submit to the Holy Spirit. Guys, that's probably a lot of us. We know what to do. We, we aren't ignorant. We recognize, but we refuse to submit. Takes too much time. I got beans to plant. I guess corn to plant now. I got to get my yard mowed. I got to do this. I got to do that. So again, we aren't ignorant. We recognize but we refuse to submit, I believe, because of four, which is self-will. I think so many times the Holy Spirit is quenched because of our own self-will. After I spoke the last time, when I showed you a picture of all the, that I like grasshoppers and I put them all up there, and, and then the point that I was trying to make is sometimes our kingdoms become more important than God's kingdoms. And boy, after I left, the Lord said, you shouldn't have left that. You should have spoke toward that longer. Because that's what hinders the spirit at Oakton probably more than anything. That our self-will, our desires outweigh God's desires. In other words, your business is more important than being honoring the Holy Spirit. Or this is more important than honoring the Holy Spirit. Our institutes are more important than honoring the Holy Spirit. I shared that with you. I've been at Methodist conferences and, uh, and all this junk that's going on lately. And it's simply that the, 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 the people over the system are more impo- are impressed in, in, and more interested in serving the institute than the serving the anointing and the, the flow of the Holy Spirit. And so we get to pursue in our own inst- institutes I will not give this up for nothing. I've been a Methodist my whole life. I'll never, I'll always be a Methodist. I'll never not be a Methodist. When we need to be start saying that I've been a believer all my life, I'll always be a believer and it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. I will follow God and his word. We amen. And I'm glad you did because I'm glad you're behind that bit what's going on in our system, but the same thing goes on in our personal lives. It's easy to see it and it's in somebody else's life, but how many times is it happening in our life when our self-will, the things that inspire us, outweigh the things of God and what God's called you to do? So self-will will hinder and quench the spirit. Impatience will quench the spirit. I struggle with this one because I'm too impatient. I want it now, 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 now. 
If God doesn't produce immediately, then I'm moving away from it. Impatience can quench the spirit. I always got to throw James 4.1 in because we like to blame God for everything. All of our problems, all these things going on when God is somebody we just sang about today that loves you and is trying to get a hold of your heart. But James 4.1 said, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? It's not this that, that you're, or it is not this that your passions, your flesh and spirit are at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot attain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask God. And so we're trying to again get what we want over what God's want. And that's what causes quarrels and fighting and problems in our lives. If we followed what God wanted and asked God what he wanted to do in our life and realized that he loved us more than anything, then we would submit to that. Jesus' own word said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else is going to be added unto you. Matthew 6, 33. So today, uh, there's a better way to live. Uh, There's a better way to live, and it's God's way. This is point two. We see that this whole letter, part of the reason this letter was was written to the church of Thessalonica is because there was, I believe, an evil spirit working in the church. And this evil spirit was attacking the leaders, the people, the, the different aspects of the church, and we'll get into that in a minute. And Paul saw that, that something's trying to hinder the move of God in his church, so he writes this letter to them. And again, if you're following along in the, in the online or on behind me or in notes, but Paul gives us four better ways to win this race. You know, four better ways to expose the enemy and extinguish the evil spirits that so attack us. A lot of things that you come to the Lord and pray about each Sunday and and that you're battling in your lives are directed by this evil spirit, but sometimes just your own flesh, and really a lot of times. But but Paul's given us ways and the four things in this scripture that he tells his people. He said, first thing you need to do is respect. Respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And I had to swell up a little bit because that's kind of talking about the pastor a little bit. You guys got to respect me. I got one amen out of that. Respect is a way of treating or thinking about someone else. So how you treat and think about me or your pastors or someone else should be in a good way. Should be in lifting them up respecting them. The second thing I got from that is that if we respect Jesus, we will honor our pastors. We will honor each other because it it goes both ways. I need to respect you. We need to respect each other. In other words, We need to admire each other and treat each other very well. We need to fight the urges of not treating each other very well. 
If you respect Oakton as a church, you will admire the church and treat it very well. And I could preach a long time on that one. Simply by honoring God and respecting it with your time, your tithe, and your talent. If you love the Lord and respect the Lord, then what? It says you're going to admire them and treat the Lord very well. If you respect the pastor, you're going to admire the pastor and you're going to treat him very well or, or her very well. If you respect the people, you're going to admire the people and treat them very well. If you admire the church, you're going to treat them very well and admire them. So you're going to willfully and joyfully give of your time, your tithe, and your talents. The second thing we see there is Paul even said that we need to respect these people and respect others among us even when they admonish you. Admonish means to warn or reprimand you very firmly. You are to love those over you even when they warn and reprimand you very firmly. You need to love each other and, and, and care for each other even when we say things that may be harsh amongst each other. You guys have said things to me that, whoa, that's a hard pill to swallow. But after I go pray about it and I think about it, hey, maybe they are right. So we're going to respect each other even when they admonish each other because we're on the same team and we're working through things together. See why? Because we care for each other. Or number three, excuse me. And then number four, esteem people. And then Paul says to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourself. And so really, I've already said all these things, things that, but it tickled me when you, the, use that, the words that Paul used with respect, admonish, and then now he's saying to esteem, well, if you look up and study esteem here, it's back to respect and admiration. And, and it's just like Paul keeps going over and over with them, but he throws love in with that now. He throws in peace that when you operate in love and respect and admiration among each other, there will be love and peace among you when you're led by the Spirit. And I added the C one in there just because I wanted to get the word race. So that's kind of what C's about. But how are we surviving the race? Are we doing it with respect and admiration? Are we admonishing each other? And are we caring for each other and esteeming each other in love and, and goodwill? Point three, we are called to help others, warn others of this evil that could be attacking us. Or really, a lot of times, guys, it's just their own self-will. And 4.14 says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, but be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So here Paul is strongly urging you brothers and sisters to warn others to, to you should see when, when, when I'm struggling that you want to come help me. You, you should see when other people are going through situations that you need to go in there and help them. 
And the first one's a pretty tough one that Paul brings up, but we are called to admonish the idle, those that are lazy or at a state of inaction. And guys, that is rampant throughout the church world. There's a lot of people sitting in these pews every way that are idle in, in the move of God in their life. They're idle. They're not wanting to do anything, nor do they, they, they desire to. And, and they sit idle, and we need to admonish the laziness and the state of inaction. We can't allow that to take over because, again, people are one to the Christ, and the Spirit is moving because of our witnesses, our willingness not to be lazy. And I feel a lot of us fight this in our own spiritual lives. Because the fight gets hard. It's hard. We don't want to keep in the fight sometimes. So it's easy to be idle because you're less threatening. Man, why, why do I want to run for office and take that abuse? Well, it's easier just to sit idle. Why would I want to be a teacher? Man, it's hard to teach in school nowadays. It would just that simpler be simple to be idle. But what is God calling you to do? Me and Karen went to Indianapolis last week for the, the GMC, the General or Global Methodist Church, that we're looking into joining and and anyway, it was a great time, a great move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, just wept most of the time through it. Uh, but before we got to that, uh, we had some free time, so we went down to the Indy 500, or Bricktown, or uh, Brickyard, excuse me, as some of you know it. And anyway, we went inside and went to the museum, and in the museum, they had a car you could get into, and it would simulate uh, being in the race itself. And, and it was computerized, and man, this thing was pretty awesome. And you had four laps that you could do to go around. Uh, 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 you had four laps you'd go around to qualify for the race. And they had the time of the race the year before up there, and this was a simulation of it. So I got in that, and I took off, and I think I crashed the wall the first lap. And the second lap, I didn't do much better, but as I began to get a hold of it, my time started getting really good. And the lady goes, man, you did good that third lap. And my time kept getting better. And the lady goes, man, you really did good that fourth lap. And the computer shut down. And I qualified. I would have qualified for last year's race, <laughs> according to the computer simulator. I figured they'd tell everybody that. But, but, but they had it up there. And my time was here. And I was a second better than the qualifying time. So I'm going to be race car drivers, guys. <laughs> but, but the Spirit really spoke to me that day. If, if you go to the next picture, I got off that car, and it's a picture of the, uh, click on that if you would. And anyway, there's a race car with me sitting in it somewhere on the slides. But I get off that little computer, and so I go over and get in a real race car. And I put the hoodie out and got all ready to go. The guys, it wasn't nothing because there was no motor in it. It was setting idle. And that's where the Lord really began to work on me about this sermon is, is that, that we can go in and, and crash the wall a few times and, 
and, and make a few mistakes, but keep having it pedal to the metal. And in the end, we're going to be rejoicing for the Lord. Or we can sit in a nice race car and not move at all. Because guys, what the Holy Spirit to me said to me is that Oakton, we are like a souped up race car. We are built on the solid rock Jesus and we are souped up by the Holy Spirit. We cannot set idle. Got a couple of amens. I was wanting everybody to cheer and stand up and start screaming and throwing confetti and all that. Are we not there yet? Not quite? Well, we need to get there. Because we are souped up. Souped up people of God if we choose to be. The second thing was we see to encourage the faint-hearted in truth and grace. Again, I keep saying we, we like to throw grace down people's throats. But in grace and truth, we need to minister to the faint-hearted. You need to encourage them, encourage the faint-hearted. Uh, your pastor was feeling a little faint-hearted Thursday morning. Really faint-hearted Thursday morning. Guys, I go through things just like you are. The, the heaviness of life can weigh you down just like it weighs me down sometimes. And I was pressing into the Lord and I was praying for the Lord and actually was writing this sermon right then. But it was heavy on me. And one of you texted me this. Good morning, Pastor. Be blessed and know you are loved. The work that you do or the work that you, your bride, and the entire Oakton team are doing is not going unnoticed. For such a time as this, we so appreciate your heart for the people and speaking the truth to lies. Light in dark, or speaking the truth to lie and light in the dark. He is got good, your friends, and then they, they gave their name. And, and guys, you, they'll never know how much they moved me that day because I was going to the Lord because I was faint-hearted. I needed a touch. I needed a, a little zap of the Holy Spirit to encourage me, and it did. So if you don't like the sermon today, blame that family, and I'll, I'll let you know their name if you don't like it. So, But the next thing he says is help the weak. Help the weak. Again, we are from good stock, Jesus. We're souped up by the Holy Spirit. Help the weak. Another one is we need to be patient with people. And that's, again, where I struggle. I'm not patient. I'm on it right now. So Oakton, idleness, discouraging the weak, and being impatient that's what quenches the spirit. We need to do what Paul was telling them and come against idleness, encourage people and not be impatient because the Holy Spirit will move upon us. And guys, uh, again, the survivor idea became is, is I've been dancing around this because I don't like want to promote survivor, the show, but, but I've watched some, uh, Joshua had applied to go online there and so he asked me to watch a couple shows and but I noticed the other day that Survivor 42 wow 42 episodes of Survivor man America loves Survivor 
And I looked up their logo there, and it says on the logo, it says outwit, outplay, and outlast at all costs. That's how you win the million bucks. Well, guys, I'm here to tell you that's contrary to what God tells us to do. And what really bothers me about that, if you watch a lot of the reality shows, it promotes these type of things. It promotes the uh, ungodly characteristics, I think. And, and actually, I think that the, scene, the show started that it was trying to exploit good moral things. And the morally right would win, but now it's the most evil that wins, usually. But outwit means to deceive or defeat by greater ingenuity. Outplay means to better someone else. Outlast means to live or last longer than another person. Episode 42.9 said, tell a good lie, not a stupid lie. When you hear the people that have or been challenged at the end of the show when they're trying to win the $1,000 and they get the puppy eyes out and they begin to, oh, I'm so sorry. But it was just a game. It was okay to sin. It's just a game. Or they'd say, oh, but man, it's worth a million bucks. Just think the good I can do with that million bucks if I just sin a couple times. And I know a lot of you in here are saying, oh, pastor, it's just a game, but... But guys, I think shows like that, they, they may be innocent in themselves, but, but what's it training our kids and our people? It's training us to outlast, to outwit, and outplay each other. And that's not what God calls us to do. I believe you could go on that show and play like Jesus and win the million bucks. The church is here not to outwit but to respect those who labor among you. The church is not here to outplay. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for someone else. The church is not here to outlast, but to admonish the idol and to lift them up and to love them. And I believe Paul closes out his letter by telling the church, us, how to be to take on survival. How to survive in this world, but I don't even like the word survive, but to live in victory in this world. To live as overcomers in this world, to live like Christ did. And it starts in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Rejoice always. Think about this. And I don't mean this bad. And truthfully, guys, when babies cry in here, I don't hardly hear them on Sunday morning. Ever hear them. But when I'm out in public eating lunch or eating supper and I hear a baby start crying, I'm not real quick to go up and hold that baby, am I? If you got a baby crying and you say, here, Pastor, you're going to hold the baby, usually I'm what? I'm handing the baby back to you. And I just got thinking about that. Uh, God's got to love and loves me a lot more, and I'm sure he embraces me when I'm crying as well as when I'm rejoicing, but... Wouldn't he enjoy it a little more if I was doing a lot more rejoicing and a lot more less crying? It seems like when we go to the Lord, we're crying and bickering because we're not happy about our circumstance. And that moves us into give thanks in all circumstances. 
And the guys, uh, I think that one there is not even online because I just forgot about it or skipped it. Uh, I didn't mean to. I think I caught it on the overhead. But but give thanks in all circumstances. I was out on the mower mowing and the Lord goes, just hit me. And thinking about the sermon, I was listening to a football podcast. And automatically the podcast on football changed over to Rick Renner. Rick Renner says that people aren't thankful because they're, they're um, um, what's that word? They feel enabled. And I thought, wow. And I thought, this is good. And then it went back to the fantasy podcast. And I'm thinking, what was this all about? This is weird. Because I had my phone, it was in the glove box of the mower, and I had my headset on. I didn't touch anything. So I went home, looked at my notes, seeing that I'd left that out. And that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Because a lot of us cry around because we're not thankful of our circumstances. And we need to be thankful no matter what's going on. But a lot of reason America isn't thankful is we feel entitled. We feel like the world owes us everything. We've been raised that if you got it, I get it. We've been raised that all everything is mine and give it to me. And we're not thankful about very much. Think about it. What are you most thankful for today? Boom. What was the first thing that come to your mind? Did you have to think about it? I hope it was. Well, it's hard to be thankful, isn't it? I'll let you guys think on that in the Lord, but... third thing is we need to pray without ceasing. This one here really, really got me. I went to the brickyard. You need to really listen to me here. And Karen and I were down on the track, but, but we had recognized that in pictures in the museum that we would see guys on their knees on the, on the brickyard finish line. You see them there in the picture. And, and me and Karen rode the bus down, and I'm thinking, man, I didn't realize that race cars are a spiritual event. Man, they're on their knees praying all the time and thanking Jesus all the time. And anyway, we get down to the track, and we're at the track, and it's raining, and people get off the bus, and they run up to the, brick, the finish line of Brickyard. And like these drivers, they begin to bow down and kiss the brick. And I thought, man, these guys are spiritual. I'm going to go over and bow down and pray. We'll just have a Holy Ghost revival. How many know what goes on there? How many know what I'm talking about, why they're doing that? One person? Bailey, you're the only one that knows that? Man. But in 1996, the driver's name I can't remember was Dale Jarrett. He won the Brick 400 and he went over and again, 1996, got on his knees and kissed the brick and paid tribute to the fable or the history of the Indianapolis Motorway. He paid tribute to that track and to the things that were going on there. And that's a picture of his team that came around him and did the same thing. And I was kind of being honorary with you today, but but I wanted to see how many people really knew what was going on when they go and kiss the brick. 
But, but we need to pray. We need to bend our knees. We need to pray without ceasing and get down and kiss the brick in tribute to God and all that he does in our lives. Man, we should pray continuously. Falling to our knees, kissing the brick, the throne of God, giving him tribute for all the things he's done, rejoicing, giving thanksgiving. You guys getting this? That's the order Paul was telling them. Because when we do these things, the Holy Spirit's going to move across our lives. And God's going to use us to touch this world. Now, again, I'm not telling you to go. The Lord says that he's near the brokenhearted and he heals the brokenhearted's life. I'm not telling you not to go to the Lord when you need something. But it seems like that's usually the only time we go to the Lord is when we need something. And I want to challenge you that I know one pastor, he goes to the Lord in the morning with rejoicing and thanksgiving and just praising his name. And then in the afternoon, he goes back again to pray over the things that he needs in his congregation and his life. So I'm not saying either right or wrong. I'm saying we need to be rejoicing and praying continually and, and just honoring God and paying him tribute in all things. Thanking him for bringing the healing upon our lives. Again, not quenching the Holy Spirit. I think we can quench the Holy Spirit when we're not give, rejoicing, when we're not uh, giving thanksgiving, when we're not appreciative to what God has done, but we've always got our hand out saying, give me more, give me more, give me more. Another thing he says in here in verse 20 is God's way of survival is not despising prophecy. prophecy prophecy is a gift of the holy spirit so when there's a move of god there would be a, a prophecy but guys we need to start recognizing that when there's a move of god extraordinary things are going to happen when there's a move of god supernatural things are going to be happening and so we don't want to be ignorant we don't want to be judgeful uh, we don't want to be uh, uh, pulling back but as he said in verse 21, test everything and hold fast to the good. So when there's a move of God going on and it freaks you out, or you might say, we don't do that, or I've never heard that before. There's a tongue and interpretation, and I'm not sure about that. Paul's saying, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. Well, you line it up with God's word. Does it say God's word? Is it a good thing? Is it edifying the church? Is it blessing the church? Then so be it. John 10, 10 says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So if it's good, it's probably God. In other words, there's a prophecy and it, it's just horrible and doesn't line up to God's word. You disregard it. But if there's a prophecy and it lines up with God's word and it lines up to where God's taking the church and it's ministering to your spirit, embrace it. 
So Paul's kind of throwing it all at him here. You know, we got to get an order about us. And we got to get an idea of the things. And I believe the Lord is telling us today that, that after seeing the way you guys respond to the Holy Spirit now, he's just saying that, guys, I'm wanting to take you to another level today, and this is how we do it. So then this is one I love because it reminded me when I worked at Freeman. I'd draw up a job description, and I'd think I'm going to be leaving one thing out. So then I'd put the last point in anything I tell you to do. <laughs> Because it covered everything. And I kind of think that's what Paul did here. The very last thing he said was, after saying all these things, good ways of survival is to abstain from every form of evil. So he just says a blanket statement. What forms of evil do we allow in our life? But, oh, it's not bothering me to watch this pathetic show that drops the F-bomb every other word. I'm spiritually mature. Or uh, we put ourselves in an atmosphere that's not good. Anyhow, just think about that. Yeah, God may give you the grace to stay above things, but why are you testing God? So in closing, if the praise team wants to come forward, Jesus was victorious because he outwitted, he outplayed, and outlasted evil, not people. Did we get that today? And I don't know why but I keep feeling to read this to you, but Romans 8, 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In other words, quench the Spirit. Shall tribulation... No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Or the sword? No. That is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In other words, these things didn't characterize the, the disciples. They didn't characterize Paul. He didn't want to be the known as a man that was suffering. He wanted to be the known as a man that was living in victory and these attacks were coming because he was walking in victory. Paul goes on to say, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angel or rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, period. Nothing can. So that puts it back at your choice. Because you can choose to walk in the anointing and the presence of God, or you can choose to what? Quench the Spirit. So, so goes your relationship. This is maybe tough on some of you, but it's up to you. Jesus has already provided the ways. If you're having a rough time, give it to Jesus and release it. Because he's on your side. Don't blame Jesus. Don't blame the devil. I don't care if you blame the devil. You can do lots of bad things to him. But, but give it to Jesus. And recognize that Jesus is here for you. And that's what God is telling the church here today is, don't think Pastor Kit's putting evil on you or I can't think the people are putting evil on me. 
We just need to go to Jesus and lift Jesus high. And when we do that, that anointing will fall upon us. And then we need to flow in that anointing however God chooses it to be. But you turn it up or down in your own lives. You control the flow of the Holy Spirit in your own life. And it affects those around you, your family. And it could even affect the church. So I say, let it flow, Lord. Amen. Let's stand to your feet today. We can't let the Holy Spirit flow through our lives today until we accept Jesus as Lord. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord, man, come up and do it. I, I witnessed to a kid this week or a man, young man this week that he knew absolutely nothing about the Bible. And I think he couldn't understand that his little knowledge of it, that he could just make that decision and Jesus would work him through it. And I couldn't talk him into that. He thought he needed to learn more. Guys, we don't need to learn more. We just need to submit to Jesus in salvation and say, Lord, here I am. And the Holy Spirit will guide and direct you. So if you need salvation today, do that. If you need water baptism, the first act of obedience will be doing that in two weeks. But how are we admonishing others? How are we can say anything we want to say to anybody, it's how we say it. How are we trying to build up the body and, and then encouraging them? But either way, you've heard the sermon today, and I don't want to go through it again and rehearse it again. But how has God touched your life today? And I just ask you to come and kiss the brick. Come and kiss these altars and just say, Lord, here I am. I'm paying tribute to you because you are God, and I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be continually steadfast in you because you give me the victory. And so, Father, I lay this at your feet, and I trust you with it in Jesus' name. That's it. The altars are open today. If you need prayer, please come.